Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 33. And I know that immediately you're thinking, Deuteronomy? I thought we were still in Joshua. Well, we are. We're going to get there. Uh, but if you remember last week, I told you that we're at the place now where we're kind of cherry-picking around in Joshua because otherwise it just gets very uh, overwhelming with all of the historical information and I, don't, I know that you don't want me to drone on and on and on about inheritance lists and things of that nature when you can read that for yourself. But there are a few principles that we wanted to hit on that can be found in these latter chapters of the book of Joshua. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to take care of a few of those tonight. And then we'll have one more week next week in the book of Joshua and then we're going to move into our summer series uh, where we'll, we'll be doing different types of things throughout the summer. Uh, so I want you to come and be a part of that. Uh, I know that you'll enjoy it. But Deuteronomy chapter 33, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. And, and here's, here's the point that I want to make. And we're, after we read this, we're going to go over to Joshua chapter 17 verses 14 through 18. But let's start Deuteronomy 33, 13 through 16. You ready to go? Here we go. And uh, now this is Moses' blessing now. This is Moses. It says, And of jo Joseph, he said, Blessed by the Lord be his land with the choicest gifts of heaven. Can you say choicest? Choicest. choicest. And of the deep that crouches beneath. With the choicest fruits. Can you say choicest? choicest. Say it three times, I double dare you. Choicest. Praise God. We just had a Holy, Holy Ghost outpouring just there for some of you. <laughs> the choicest fruits of the sun and the rich yield. Can you say rich yield? Rich yield. Of the months with the finest produce. Can you say finest produce? Of the ancient mountains and the abundance, can you say abundance? Of the everlasting hills with the best gifts, can you say best gifts? Of the earth and its fullness and the favor, can you say favor? Of him who dwells in the bush, may these rest on the head of Joseph and on the pate of him who is prince among his brothers. Isn't it a good day to be Joseph? I mean, I, the, the thing that just jumped off the page at me is all of those descriptive words, choice gifts, choice fruits, rich yield, finest produce, abundance of the everlasting hills, best gifts, and the favor of him who dwells in the bush. All of those things were to rest upon Joseph. I don't know how you feel, but I'm glad God loves me, aren't you? And I'm glad he cares about me. God doesn't give you little bubblegum blessings. He has blessed us abundantly. The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but he came that we might have life and have it more abundant. More abundant than what? More abundant than what we could have were it not for him and his blessings in our lives. Now, let's go over to Joshua 
chapter 17, Joshua chapter 17, verses 14 through 18. Now, keep in mind that God has already said through Moses that I'm going to bless Joseph with the best gifts, the choicest things. And here we are in Joshua chapter 17. Let's look at verse 14. Then the people of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, Why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance? Although I'm a numerous people since all along the Lord has blessed me. And Joshua said to them, If you are a numerous people... Then go up by yourselves to the forest and there clear ground for yourselves in the land of the Perizzites and the Rephaim, since the hill country of Ephraim is too narrow for you. And the people of Joseph said, the hill country is not enough for us. Yet all the Canaanites who dwell in the plain have chariots of iron, both those of Bethshean and its villages and those in the valley of Jezreel. Then Joshua said to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and to Manasseh, you are a numerous people and you have great power. You shall not have one allotment only, but the hill country shall be yours. For though it is a forest, you shall clear it and possess it to its farthest borders, for you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have chariots of iron, and though they are strong. Now let's look at what's going on here. All the way back to Moses, Moses says, I'm going to bless with an inheritance Joseph above anyone else. They're going to have the choicest blessings. They're going to have the choicest fruit of the land. They're going to have things that are far and above what anyone else has and possesses. But now you move over into Joshua, and Joshua now is, is distributing the inheritances that were spoken by Moses, and Joseph now is looking at what they're receiving, and they're unhappy with it. And so why, why are you only giving us one lot? Why are you only giving us this? Or why are you only giving us that? Because in the back of their minds, they knew and they understood what their inheritance was because it had been given to them by Moses and had been passed down through the years by word of mouth. They were expecting this great blessing to come already made. And what Joshua was trying to say to them you will be blessed. You're not going to just get one lot. You're going to get the hill country. You're going to get this blessing. You're going to get that blessing. However, you're going to have to use your strength and your power, the great power that you possess, to go lay your hands on it and take it for yourself. Joshua had given in, or excuse me, Joseph had given in to an entitlement mentality. They had taken on this mindset 
that if God said he was going to bless me, then that must mean that he's going to bless me with ready-made blessings. I don't have to do anything. I shouldn't have to do anything. I'm Joseph. I shouldn't have to work. I'm Joseph. I, all I should have to do is go stand in the line where they're handing out blessings. And when it comes to me, my blessings should be great and they should be ready-made. And Joshua said to them, listen, I acknowledge that you are great in number. I acknowledge that one little plot of land over here is not going to be enough of you, for, for you. But use that one little plot of ground as a, as a starting point to move forward and to get everything that God has promised that he's going to put in your hands. But I'm not going to deliver it to you on a silver platter. You're going to have to work to achieve and receive and possess all of the many blessings that God has for you. He said, now, in your great strength, go out and do it. Don't stand around and wait for somebody to just hand it to you. Go do it. And I thought to myself, that sounds an awful lot like America to me. You know, we just want, we want, I mean, there are people in this world, they, they can't wait till Bernie Sanders gets elected and he's going to collect all the money and then just start handing it out to everybody. And you know, all we got to do is stand in line and get it. Listen, we have always, our nation has always been built on blood, sweat, and tears. And we have forgotten that if we'll put God first in America, that he will bless us abundantly. But it won't come in a drive through at Chick-fil-A. We'll have to roll our sleeves up and get busy doing the things of the kingdom and acting like that we have all power and authority that has been given to us by the hand of God. We want to be blessed, but oftentimes we don't want to do what it takes to get the blessing in our possession. And so what I'm saying to you, and you know, you've heard me say this before. It's amazing to me how many people that I can make mad. It really is. I just drive people crazy, apparently. People look at me and think I'm off my rocker, that I've just lost my mind. People come up, and they, they just want me to spit on them and throw them in the floor, and everything's going to be okay. And listen, if that's what you want, come on up here. I'll spit on you. I can throw you down in the floor. I knew one preacher, he used to wrap his leg around their knees and push them right at the, and then and down they'd go. I saw him do it with my own three eyes. I mean, if that's what you want, come on up. I'll throw you in the floor. I even put one of those holy rags over you. I'm not, it ain't no big deal. Yeah, used to, we just put the holy rags on the women. But now if a man falls down, we put them on him too. <laughs> Equal rights for the sexes. That's what it is. And we, just, we just want somebody to knock us out, throw us down, spit on us, you know, give us the, the, the hand signals and say, all right, it's, it's good. You're good. Everything's fine. 
But you know what, what so many people are realizing is, is that even once we have been confirmed in the spirit that God is going to bless us, we still have to do something to achieve the blessing. If we keep living the way that we've always lived, I don't care how many promises are in the word of God, we're not going to achieve them because we're not taking them and receiving them and working them in our lives. I mean, just, just think about this book. I, I'm, I'm really proud of myself because I decided at the first of the year I was going to read the Bible all the way through again. I had people say, to me, oh, it's just a bunch of religious hocus-pocus nonsense. I, you know, I want to be led of God. Well, yeah, be led of God. I needed the discipline because I had fallen into this trap of reading the Bible just to get sermons to preach to you. And what I needed was the Word of God to inspire faith in me. And so just like a third grader, I decided I was going to use one of those apps on my phone. If you read these many chapters today, then you'll get at the end of the year, you will have read the entire Bible. And just this morning, and I finished it up, my little app came up and said, you are completely up to date. I said, well, glory, hallelujah. No wonder I'm feeling so full of faith. But you know what? I realized that if I don't, if I don't get the word in me beyond just trying to find some message to bring to you, I need the word of God. I need faith. I need to be able to believe. And the only way that I know how to do that is to get the word of God in me because the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Now here's the point I'm trying to make. If we're all weak need. And we get thrown off course by everything that comes our way. It may be because we're not accessing the most powerful word that has ever existed throughout the annals of history. This is God's word. He meant every word of it. But if we don't eat it and if we don't digest it, and we don't receive it, then we're not going to have the power that accompanies it. So that's what I'm trying to say. So now, here, here we are. Joseph, they're abundantly blessed. They're great in number. I mean, they got the choice fruit. They've got the choice lands. They got the rich blessings. They've got the favor of God. But they're ticked off because they can't get it at the drive through at Chick-fil-A. And so that's the lesson that we learned tonight. Listen, God has given us abundant blessings but we have to do something to lay our hands on them and grasp them. And man, I'm telling you, I love being able to see people catch that truth. And, and I can't help people who say, well, you know, I, I'm, you know I'm sad that you, you just won't throw me in the floor. Well, I'll throw you in the floor, but you're still going to have to pick yourself up and you're going to have to do something different. If you want your life to change. Is that not true? Am I lying to you? Am I just telling you a bunch of malarkey? A bunch of baloney? Or am I, is what I'm telling you true? You got to do something. Because if we're just hearers of the word only. And not doers of the word. There's no blessing with that. Because the blessing comes in the doing. So let's don't be like Joseph. And get ticked off because we have potential to be blessed, but we're not getting blessed because we're not doing anything. All right.
I could quit right now, and you've already been so blessed you can't hardly see straight. Go, go, you're cross-eyed. Well, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Go over to Joshua chapter 19 now. Joshua chapter 19, and let's look at the very last verse, which would be verse 51. Joshua 19, verse 51. And I want to read the last six words of verse 51. Okay? Verse 19, the last six words of verse 51. So they finished dividing the land. Okay. I wanted to read that to you because here is what happens at this point. We have a natural transition of spiritual and physical energy. Okay? There is, a, there is a physical evidence that what they had been doing before was now done. It was accomplished. So they didn't need to waste any more physical energy. They didn't need to spend any more time praying about it. It was done. The transition was on them now, and God was going to begin to bless them in a different vein. They were going to begin to see different things now materializing in their lives, and God had different responsibilities for them to achieve now. And if they only wanted to keep doing what they had always done or what they had been doing then they were never going to see the fulfillment of what now would be. Think about this. From the very time that they put their feet in the river and the river rolled back and they walked into the promised land until this day, chapter 19, verse 51, had been about seven years. So for seven years, they were going through the land and they were taking cities and they were taking land, and they were taking nations, and taking countries, and they had been in battle for about seven years. Now, I don't know, I, I can't hardly fight for about ten minutes, and, they, and I'm done. You know, I, I can't even imagine being on the battlefield for seven years, but that's what's happened. But now, the fighting's over, the inheritance have been distributed, and now... They, they are finished dividing the land. So, so God begins to, to give them directions through Joshua as to now how they are to spend their energy. Let me just stop long enough to say, and then we're going to identify some of these things. This is where our church is right now. And, 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 and it's a place where great caution must be exhibited. Are you hearing me? Because for five and a half years, we've been fighting battles that many of you never dreamed that we would be fighting. I mean, when you think about bankruptcies, when you think about, uh, you know, the, the loss of trust and, and, and relationships and, and people that you had come to church with and worshiped with out the door and, 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 and division and, and conflict and 
I don't know if you remember some of the meetings when I first came where there were newspaper reporters that were in the meetings and had to be uh, escorted out the, the room because we were trying to take care of business that only we needed to be taken care of. Uh, you, you know, I, I've walked out the door and seen the news cameras across the street in the neighbor's yard trying to take pictures and video pictures and, 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 and we've been through a lot. I mean, there were times we didn't know if we were going to survive. Didn't know if we were going to make it. And for many of you who have been around here for a very, very long time, you would have never dreamed that a day like that would have come on this church. Not in a million years, but it did. And we had a choice. We could lay down in the floor and die. We could say, well, we tried, but we just couldn't do it. Or we could buck up and we could roll our sleeves up and we could say, if God be for us, who can be against us? If we establish this thing in character and integrity, God will bless it and we can move forward and God will bless us. Five and a half years now later, we can say God has blessed us. This is Wednesday night. This is Wednesday night, and I just took a picture of you to post on Facebook because of the size of the crowd on Wednesday night. I mean, we ought to have a Jericho march or something. I mean, God has been good to us. But we're in that transition time now because we don't have to, we don't have, to have lawyers on retainers anymore. You know, we're not dodging newspaper reporters anymore. A lot of things that we had to do five years ago that we're not having to do anymore, but we're having to do things now that we weren't having to do five years ago. Because five years ago, we had a spirit of unity and a, and, and a team spirit, and we're going to bind together, and we're going to get through this. And now that we're through it, if we're not careful, we'll say, okay, now let's start deciding what I want to see in the church. Or let's start deciding what my preference will be for the church. And we have to stay focused on the vision. We have to stay focused on what God has called us to do. I'm not talking about the vision that was confirmed when I came as your pastor, but I'm talking about the vision that God had when he planted this church however many years ago with Bob May who, 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 who established this church because he couldn't sleep at night because God was prompting him to plant a church in Oklahoma, Kentucky. And gave him a vision. And gave him a dream. And people can't listen. God can start and establish and do in any church that he wants to, to do in. Or he can bless whatever church that he wants to bless. And if we don't fulfill his vision, then what's the point of us doing anything at all? Listen, there are a lot of churches in Louisville that have better music than we do. There are a lot of churches in Louisville that have bigger buildings than we have. There are a lot of churches in Louisville that have better looking pastors than you do. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, that might be true. My, I'm just kidding. 
I'm just saying that if, if, if we just pick a church, there are probably other churches that excel in areas where we don't excel. But it's not about what I want to consume. It's about whether or not God has called me here to be on the team that is fulfilling the vision that he planted in this congregation so many years ago. And when we met last August and we started talking about the vision that God was reestablishing in here, I, I had no idea that people would start coming to me after the fact and start saying, those are the things that we're doing right now are things that we talked about 25 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. Before we ever even built the building back here, we started talking about why do we want a building back there? And we started talking about we need the building for this. We need the building for that. We need to have a building that will accomplish this and this and this. And pastor, we didn't know it at the time, but now we're seeing that established and done. And you couldn't have known that. I couldn't have known that, but God knew it. God knew it. And so he is fulfilling the vision. But what we have to do now is in this season of transition, we've got to be careful that we don't start splintering and, and start wanting this and wanting that and going here and going there and getting our minds fragmented. We've got to stay with the vision. And that's why Joshua said to Joseph, he said, look, don't wig out here. I know that you're abundantly blessed. I know what Moses said about you. I know that he's going to bless you. But you've got to now stay with the vision that God had for you. And they were able to do all that. And then they come to this time of transition. Now, chapter 20. I've said enough about that. Chapter 20, they start establishing. And here, here's the way I want you to view this. And, and, and even to tag on to what I was just saying about our church. Now comes a season of just walking routinely in the Spirit of God. We Pentecostals, and you've heard me say this so many times before, we always have to have this big moment. It's like we, you know, we always have to have the grand slam walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning to win the game. Or we're not satisfied. But but most of the time, what God wants us to do, and there are times that God gives us that. But most of the time, what God wants us to do is routinely walk daily under the guidance of his Holy Spirit. Which is where? He's in us. He's in me. And so my thoughts ought to be his thoughts. My ways ought to be his ways. The things that I routinely do ought to be the things he would have me routinely do. We ought to establish patterns in our life that will affect the will of God in our lives. And if we are involved in processes and in routines that are not affecting the will of God in our lives, then we ought to change those patterns. We get stuck in certain ways and stuck in certain mindsets and stuck in certain, certain patterns and then the will of God doesn't work in our lives because it is, it is not a conduit that is pushing God's spirit through us. 
And so we're caught up in all this stuff. And our mind is shot in a million different directions rather than saying, God, this is my path. This is my step. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. That means every step, God just ordered that one. If I take another one, he just ordered that one. And if I take another one, he just ordered that one because he's going to lead me and guide me in the direction that I need to be going. And so he starts having them establish things that are just routine, daily, situational ethics, if you will. And, and look in chapter 20. He gives them, he gives them instructions uh, through Joshua, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you, through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of the blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment until the death of him who is the high priest at the time then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home to the town from which he fled. Now, God is a God of righteousness. He's a God of judgment. And he begins even early on establishing patterns for life. And here's what's happening. In these days, <laughs> America's almost on the verge of this <laughs> again. You know, it, 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 they didn't have laws that prevented people from getting revenge on someone. So when the scripture talks about a manslayer, someone who, who, who killed somebody, but they did it without intent, they may not even know that, that they did it. They, they had no preconceived notion that I'm going to do harm to this individual. The scripture even says that they did not hate them before. In other words, they did not have any kind of attitude toward them. They did not have any kind of revenge, revenge or vengeful spirit. It just happened. It, it, it would be much like if, if you were on your way home tonight and suddenly lost control of your car and were involved in an accident with someone else and someone uh, got killed in the accident. You didn't do that on purpose. You didn't live here feeling like I, I'm going to get somebody on my way home. And if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get somebody. I'm going to find somebody and, and, and I'm going to run them over. So it's like the old joke about this priest picked up a hitchhiker and, and, and they're going into town. And, and uh, the priest had this idea of he, he just always had these 
feelings that my, I, I, I want to run somebody off, you know, and run, run them over. And, and so he, he's going down the road, and all of a sudden there's a guy on the sidewalk up here, and he's, and he's holding, he, and he's got that urge, oh, I, I want to I I run over him, I want to I hit him, I want to get him. And the hitchhiker hiker sitting over there. So the priest just kind of lets the, the vehicle kind of float over to where the guy is on the sidewalk, and, 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 then, he, and, and then he holds up. But then he heard this big thump. And he thought, oh, I, I, you know, I didn't think I hit him. And the hitchhiker said, you wouldn't have got him if I hadn't have opened the door. <laughs> there, there was intent there. Uh, we're talking about a situation where there's no intent. There was no desire for revenge. Nothing. But now, if that happened, the one whose family was affected, could they could just go after him. If they wanted to find that manslayer and and kill him or her they could do it and they didn't have to ask anybody it's like the old old west you know where everybody had the gun guns and just meet me at you know when the sun goes down one of us it's the last day we'll ever live today but one of us is going down today sunset in the old k corral you know so god said that's not the way to do things so what I want you to do is I want you to appoint certain cities as cities of refuge. He had them appoint six different cities in different areas where if an accident occurred and a death was caused accidentally, the one who was responsible could run to the city of refuge and once they got inside the city of refuge, they were protected. And God said to those who oversaw the activity in the city of refuge that you are not to turn them over to the one who is there to avenge the blood. So if someone comes to the gate of the city of refuge and says, that character over there killed my nephew or my son or my daughter or my wife, hand them out here so that I can have my way with them. God said to them, don't hand them over. Let them have a fair trial in front of the judge and don't allow it to happen. Now, this seems like a very strange thing in the book of Joshua. It, it seems to be just very odd. But here's what's happening. God is saying to them, all the big stuff is over with now. All, all the battling and all the wars and, 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 and all the inheritance and all the doling out of the blessings, it's, it's done, it's over, and now you just got to live life. And you have to live life according to a certain set of standards or you'll just have chaos. Chaos everywhere. So God starts with the city of refuge and he begins building these routines into their life that they are responsible for. How, how many of you saw on the news today the teenagers that uh, uh, right over here in, Hill, in, in Highview Park, a uh, girl leaving uh, uh, Moore High School and there were five other teenagers following her down Briscoe Lane and they get her over here in the, in the parking lot over here and they start uh, beating her with a, a plastic wiffle ball bat. And, and it's, it's happening right next door over here, right, right next to us. And, and they're, they're beating her up 
and one of them's got the video camera going just like this instead of trying to help. Try, in fact, he, he was in on it. Three young men and two, two teenage girls. And the guy across the street, across Briscoe, saw it happening and he came out and started getting involved and his dog, a golden retriever, went running across the street and started barking uh, angrily at those who were doing the fighting and broke the fight up. That's the kind of world that we live in. Well, why do we have that kind of stuff? It's because we have stopped as a society fulfilling the responsibilities of righteousness in the world that we're living in. And, and, and if America's going to be blessed again, we've got to somehow find our way back to the routine living in the Spirit of God, which means that that we may have to get involved in some situations that we don't necessarily want to be involved with. So we've got to live in this routine. And that's what he's saying. Say, so you don't always have to have the big stuff. It doesn't always have to be, you know, something that's newsworthy. You just got to learn how to get up every day and walk in the fullness of the Spirit of God. You know, when, when Don and I got married 37 years ago, we had all these big dreams. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we're going to go here and go there and we're going to see this and see that and, and all that. And, and, and we've been blessed. I mean, we sit down and talk about it sometimes. And, and, and for God to bless us the way that he has blessed us is just completely amazing to me. But there are some dreams that we had that we had to give up because it wasn't in our power to make that dream happen. There were things that we wanted to see that just didn't materialize. And there comes this time when you just have to say, okay, because of circumstances, we will never be able to say that that was part of our life. But then we were also able to get to the place where we said, but that's okay. Because God has blessed us in other ways. God has blessed us abundantly. And some of the things were that, that were the greatest disappointment to us, some of the things that may have caused us to hang our head in shame at times, have been some of the greatest blessings that we've ever known in life. But at the moment and at the time, it seemed like and it felt like failure. And we blamed ourselves. We came down hard on ourselves. And finally, we had to get to the place where we realized that not everything in life is going to be as my brother-in-law would say, hunky-dory. I'm not even sure I know what that means. But not everything in life is hunky-dory. Some things are just tough. We go through seasons in life where life just goes on. And there's nothing spectacular about it. There are some times that the souffle is wonderful. And there are some times that it falls flatter than a flitter. But whether it's full or flat, God has blessed us. And we have to keep moving forward in the routines of living in Christ. And that's what we see here. In this great time of transition between chapter 19 and verse 20, in chapter 20, 
where God now begins establishing in them. <clears throat> he hasn't just done it with us, but he's established it in us as well. <clears throat> there are spiritual disciplines that I know, <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm going to be successful in living in Christ, then I have to be faithful to those spiritual disciplines. Because it's God's way of getting me from where I have been to where I need to be and where I intend to go. So routine and structure is not a bad thing. It is a good thing that will get us where we need to be. Father, thank you for your word, the time to be together.